No, no, don't. I swear, I'll remember to keep Christmas in my heart for as long as I live. I swear, I swear it. What? What's this? It's morning? It's morning, I'm still here. But if I missed it, is it too late? You there, boy! What day is it? Oh, tonight, sir. Well, tonight it's December the 25th. December 25th? You mean it's Christmas? Oh, well, sir, that's assuming you celebrate Christmas, which frankly I think is a bit presumptuous of you. I beg your pardon? Well, all I'm saying is that there are more people in this world who don't celebrate Christian holidays than do. I mean, how do you know I'm not a member of the Hebrew faith? Well, are you? No. Then why? No matter. Boy, it is a simple question. All I'm asking is if today is the day of Jesus' birth. Oh, well, that's a tricky one then, isn't it? What? Well, you see, if you were really looking for the actual birthday of the historical Jesus, most scholars have agreed that he was probably born in June. All this December nonsense is just to hijack some unfortunate pagan bloke's winter solstice, and then the next thing you know, Saturnalia becomes a good old-fashioned Christmas. I mean, it's all a bit absurd if you ask me. Listen to me. All I am asking is if today is Christmas Day. Well, for a particular majority of the people in this hemisphere, I would say yes. Christmas? Then I haven't missed it. They've done it. Oh, and why couldn't they? The spirits can do anything, you know. What are you on about? I was visited in the night by three spirits. They saved me. <laughs> or three spirits? Let me guess. Gin, brandy, and rum. Why, you little... No. Ebenezer, remember what the ghosts taught you? Good cheer to all men. Listen to me, boy. Philip! What? I said my name is Philip. Um, I'm sorry, it... Philip, do you know the butchers down the street? The one with the big goose? I'm a pescatarian. A what? A pescatarian. It means that while I primarily eat a vegetarian diet, occasionally I will indulge in a nice fillet of fish or some other kind of seafood, provided, of course, that it's sustainably sourced. So? So it means that I don't know nothing about no butcher shop. Listen, boy. Philip. Here's 50 shillings. Run down the street to the butchers and get me that goose in the window, the one that's almost as big as you. Bring it back here in 20 minutes, and there's an extra crown in it for you. Are you mental? I beg your pardon. Who the bloody hell do you think you are, leaning out your window in your knickers and shouting orders at me, stopping me on a street like oh, I have better things to do with my day? Well, naturally, I saw you when I just assumed... Oh, 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 oh. assume what? Assume that just because I happen to dress a certain way and that I happen to affect a certain manner of speech that I must be somebody who's in need of some pity every money? No, 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 that's not what I was saying. You know, saying. I was on my way to the hospital to volunteer, but oh well, I guess I'll just drop what I'm doing and pick up Sunday dinner for some old geezer because he rubbed a couple of quid together. You misunderstand. I was only you know, trying to... You know, I don't mind saying that that's a type of attitude that seems typical of people from your particular age group and socioeconomic Listen, background. Listen, I didn't mean to offend... I'm just trying to spread Christmas cheer. Oh, there you go again, reasserting your Christian morality over the opinions of others. All right, that's it. I give up. Humbug to you. Humbug, I say. Humbug to all this Christmas nonsense. I'm going back to sleep. Oi, the nerve. Oh, you know, somebody really ought to teach that guy a lesson about how to treat people nicer. Welcome to the Half Hour Radio Hour's Holiday Special, featuring musical guest, Brian Ang, and holiday stories from your favorite Half Hour Radio Hour writers. 
I'll be your host, Craig McNabb. And up first, we have a quaint Christmas poem from Ellen Stevens that's sure to take you back to your childhood. Ellen, take it away. "'Twas the night of the 24th of December, when all through the bar not a human was sober, not even Jima. The in-laws are here, placing criticism without care. We hope their flights will soon take air. The kids are crying, brats they have become, visions of Xboxes attached to their thumbs. And Mama is puking after too much eggnog. I pass her a hair tie and say, bitch, come on. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I fell out of bed to see what the hell is a clatter. Away to the window I dragged my fat ass, ripped down the cheap curtains which fell with a crash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow. Yes, that is actually the poem, since when did snow have titties anyways? When what to my wondering eyes should appear behind the miniature sleigh purchased from Walmart last year, there's Uncle Dick climbing up to steer. So unbalanced and thick, I knew in a moment it must be drunk Dick. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droopy little mouth was drawn up like a bow. The stump of his cigarette he held tight in his teeth. With one single hand, he lifted his beer and tried to stand, toppling over like a bag of sand. Pulling with him every light strand, all came down. With a swoosh and a snap, the yard went to crack. Then a boom and a fizzle, and the circuit was sizzled. Now I knew what the hell was a clatter. The house went dark, but only for a moment, because then came the spark. The electricity line touched a pine, and like a vine, the fire climbed pine to pine. The light was divine. Uncle Dick still lying in the snow, out like a brick. T'was the night before Christmas, and at least it was interesting. Thanks for that wonderful trip down memory lane, Ellen. Up next, we have Chris Wells with a not-so-well-known Christmas story about a very well-known Christmas hero. Chris, the floor is yours. This is the story of the second time Rudolph the Reindeer saved Christmas. Yes, the second. Okay, we all know the story of how when he was younger, his little red light on his nose showed Santa the way. Well, his nose came in handy again, but this time he was much older, and it was the 80s. This is the story of how Rudolph the Red-Nosed Cocor saved Christmas. Like I said, the year was 1982. It was November, and Rudolph was now in his reindeer 20s living his prime, living like the king who saved Christmas, and yet... The North Pole was facing a dilemma like no other. Absurd population growth around the world meant that there were simply too many kids and not enough toy makers. Production couldn't keep up with the skyrocketing birth rate. And Santa had already made Mrs. Claus go back to work and even that wasn't enough. The elves were on strike and in the process of forming their first labor union because Santa denied them health benefits. Christmas was looking like it wouldn't happen. And in a fret, Santa called a meeting of his most trusted advisors, all of the reindeer, a few elves, that one weird-as-fuck snowman who talks in the movie, and, of course, Nat King Cole. At the meeting, Santa begged them to find a solution. Christmas must happen! I feel like that's how he talks. I don't really... I'm just guessing. Um, I need your help! 
Let's give everyone toothbrushes and whitening strips, said that one weird and incredibly gay elf from the movie. Or we could give them a copy of my Christmas album, said Nat King Cole. Uh, so Santa slapped both of them open palm and then kicked them out of the meeting. Uh, they proceeded to make out in the coat closet, which isn't really important to the story, but I just wanted you to know that Nat King Cole and that really gay elf were in an illicit affair. Anyway, Santa begged them again to find a solution, and he gave them 24 hours to find something that might work. And so Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer who saved Christmas once, set off to Los Angeles to get advice from the smartest person he knew, John Belushi. When he got to John's place, Rudolph found him passed out in a pile of strange-looking snow right next to Robin Williams. So some might consider that an omen, but Rudolph took it as a sign. He suddenly remembered how productive Whitney and Robert De Niro were when they were on the special snow, and so he decided to take it and use it for the good of the North Pole. With the help of that really gay elf who happened to be in L.A. because of that illicit affair mentioned earlier, they packed up all 20 pounds of snow and brought it back to Santa for the meeting the next day. At the meeting, Santa asked, Please, does anyone have a solution? Okay, that voice is actually pretty good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that one. To which, okay, sorry, uh, uh, Rudolph's hoof shot straight up in the air and he said, Let me demonstrate. He first had that one L. Okay, I'm so I forgot his name, and I feel like it is too late to look it up. And I just, you know, the one I'm talking about. So Rudolph had that elf start making toys, and we all know how well that worked out the last time. But then Rudolph gave him a little of that Belushi snow, and suddenly a fire awakened in that elf's tiny little gay body, and he started making toys faster than the best toy maker in the whole city. Wow, Santa said. This stuff is incredible. What do you call it? Cocaine, said Rudolph. Give it to them all. Make them all have it. And so the North Pole became flooded with two kinds of snow. And although half of the toys usually end up useless and most people have horrible health side effects, they are now able to keep up with population growth. And once again, Rudolph saved Christmas. He's now dead due to complications with drug abuse, but he was able to put a second wind under his belt. So that's good. I'll just say, keep having babies, everyone. It's really working out well for all of us. The end. Thanks, Chris, for that lovely Christmas story that I'm sure ruined many a childhood. Up next, our musical guest, Brian Ang, who you might remember from episode two of our first season. Brian joins us from his apartment in Chicago with a lovely rendition of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. So snuggle up, hold the ones you love close, and enjoy. yourself a merry little Christmas let your heart be light from now on your troubles will be out of sight have yourself a merry little Christmas make the Yuletide gay 
happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who are dear to us, gather near to us once more. The years we all will be together, if the fates allow. So in the shining star up on the highest bow, and have yourself a merry little Christmas now. Doesn't that just put you in the holiday spirit? Thanks, Brian. For more information on Brian and to see his Christmas special, check out his Facebook page at facebook.com slash thebrianang. That's B-R-Y-A-N-E-N-G. Up next, we have one last story for you about a little boy with a big Christmas wish, written by yours truly. All right, kiddos, I know you're excited about Christmas, but it's time to settle in for the night. I want you two in bed when your mom gets home. She's had a hard enough time working on Christmas Eve. But I'm not tired, Grandpa. I want to stay up and wait for Santa. Come on, Aaron. Santa isn't real. Don't be immature. That's not true, Emily. Tell her that's not true. You're ruining Christmas. Now, now, calm down, you two. How about a story before bed? Ugh. I'm too old for stories, Grandpa. Come on, Emily. It's Christmas. Don't worry, Emily. I think I've got just the story for you. It all starts many moons ago, on a Christmas Eve, almost exactly like this one. The snow was gently falling on the lawn, and the Christmas tree shone twinkling and bright through the living room window, and a little boy lying in bed desperately trying to drift off to sleep, so that morning might come a little sooner. Mother and father were fast asleep already because it was the 60s and nobody had to work because union labor was so strong. As the little boy hung on to his last bits of consciousness, all he could think about was what he had asked for from Santa. It wasn't a toy ball or a hoop and stick or even for his father to stop pressuring him to be more manly. No, this year he'd asked for something else. Nothing more and nothing less than exactly one hippopotamus. A hippopotamus? 
That's silly. Emily, stop it. Now, now, you're right. It is silly. But it's what he asked for. And when he awoke the next morning, he was filled with boundless energy as he popped up from bed and ran to the top of the stairs. His house had stairs. Union membership was a wonderful thing. But as he stood at the top of the stairs and looked down at the Christmas tree that last night was twinkling and bright, he saw something quite different from what he expected. The tree had toppled over. Presents were thrown everywhere, some open, some with large chunks of their boxes missing. And at the center of this mess was no more or less than one hippopotamus gnawing on what had once been a brand new Red Rider wagon. The little boy stared on in disbelief for what must have been several minutes while the hippopotamus gnawed and chewed and appeared to scratch behind its left ear. When suddenly he looked up and upon seeing the boy nervously stuttered, uh, Merry Christmas? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Hippopotamuses can't talk. Emily, stop! Is it hippopotami? Right, Emily. Hippopotamuses can't talk. It would be immature to think otherwise. But this one did. And the little boy immediately realized what a mistake it was to ask Santa for a hippopotamus for Christmas. He'd made an enormous mess and destroyed everyone else's presents. Christmas was ruined. The little boy approached the hippopotamus full of anger. Hey, hippopotamus, why are you ruining our Christmas? Uh, first off, hippopotamus is my father. Call me hippo. I don't know. Uh, I'm a hippo. What'd you expect? Hippo made a pretty good point. But that didn't change the fact that the living room was destroyed, Christmas was ruined, and there was a 5,000-pound hippo in the living room. His father would be furious. He might even take out the belt from his car engine and make the boy replace it. Another unrealistic expectation of manliness. The little boy had one choice, to get rid of the hippopotamus. Hippo, you have to leave. You ruined our Christmas, and I don't want you here anymore. Oh, okay, uh, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to ruin Christmas. I I thought you'd be happy to see me. But I can go, I guess. Not sure where, though. Maybe I'll go hang out at the park. The little boy immediately realized that this was a bad idea. He couldn't let a hippo roam the neighborhood on Christmas. It was Christmas, after all. He knew exactly what he had to do. Hippo, I know exactly what I have to do. Uh, what? Pack your bags. I'm taking you back to the North Pole. The little boy bundled up, but not too heavily, because that wouldn't be manly. The hippo packed his things in the mangled red rider, and they were off. The little boy couldn't drive, and wasn't old enough to know how to ride a bike. So they walked. They traveled many miles, all of them cold because of the cold, and difficult because of the hippo. As they walked, the little boy and hippo talked. Or rather, the hippo talked, and the boy did his best to ignore him. Uh, what's your favorite Beach Boys song? Mine is You Still Believe in Me, if I'm trying to sound cool, but if I'm really honest with myself, I really just like Wouldn't It Be Nice. Have you seen a graduate? I realize you're young for that, but it's never too early to learn about the meaninglessness of life. And like, maybe you want to place yourself in a friend group with better looking moms after seeing it. Could you scratch behind my ears? By the time the sun went down, the boy had had it with the hippo. Thankfully, they were almost to the North Pole. The little boy could see lights twinkling in the distance. There it is. Come on, hippo. Let's go. Uh, can we stop? I'm tired. No, hippo. I need to get home. You're going to walk all the way home in the dark? Hippo made a good point. The boy couldn't walk all the way home in the dark by himself. Fine. We'll stay here for the night. But you're going back first thing in the morning. This is the worst Christmas ever. Hey, that was a really mean thing to say to the hippo. Yeah, it was. Was the hippo okay? 
He was sad. Hippo plopped down where he was. He didn't mean to ruin Christmas for the little boy. The little boy stomped a few feet away and sat down in the snow. Hippo looked over at him and watched him shiver in the cold. Surely he'd freeze without warmer clothes. The little boy couldn't sleep again, but not because of warm excitement, but because of cold disappointment. Hippo decided then and there that he had to make up for his misdeeds. He walked over to the little boy. Go away! Without a word, he cuddled up to the little boy to keep him warm. The little boy was shocked. Maybe he'd been too hard on Hippo. Maybe he had unreasonable expectations. He was a hippo after all. I really like the Beach Boys. Really? Yeah, and uh, wouldn't it be nice is great. It's really cool you like it so much. Hippo smiled. The two talked about music and movies, and the little boy even scratched Hippo behind the ears when he asked. They continued on like this until they both drifted off to sleep. The sun awoke them the next morning. They got up and ready in silence, and they walked the rest of the way to the North Pole gates, and when they finally reached them, they both stood and stared at each other for a long while. Uh, I guess this is it. Guess so. Well, uh, get home safe. Hippo patted the little boy on the head and turned to leave. A tear welled up in the hippo's eye. He buzzed the gate as the little boy walked away. This was his home. At least the North Pole was unionized. Maybe somebody would want him next year. Wait! Hippo turned around. The little boy was running back towards him. Wait! I made a mistake! You aren't so bad, Hippo. You're so good! I really do want a hippopotamus for Christmas. They embraced, both of them happier than they'd ever been. It was a Christmas miracle. So you see, Emily and Aaron, people and hippos are not always what they seem. And if you believe in a little Christmas magic, a little Christmas magic just might happen. I'm sorry I said Santa wasn't real, Aaron. Maybe he is. He did bring that boy a hippopotamus for Christmas after all. Is that story real, Grandpa? Of course. How do you know? Because I was that hippo. That's our show, folks. Thanks for tuning in this week, and a special thanks to musical guest Brian Eng. For more information on his work and this podcast, please check our podcast notes. This episode was written and produced by Craig McNabb, Ellen Stevens, and Chris Wells. We'd also like to offer a special thank you to each and every one of you for spending a tiny portion of your holiday season with us. This truly was the best gift. We'll be back in the new year with new episodes, new laughs, and a whole new season. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and above all, have a happy holidays. Good night.